Welcome to Slow and Steady, the podcast where you can follow along as we build products in public. Each week, we'll give you an honest peek into our lives as we share our struggles, our wins, and everything in between. I'm Benedict, and I'm feeling motivated. I'm Benedicta. Today is September 13. This is number. This is episode number 152, and I am feeling unfocused. See right there? Can you get the intro right? <laughs> <laughs> But we're back. Like we took a we're long break. <laughs> we did. We did. And why? Uh, because I took a vacation and um, then extended it by two more weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I got a little worried, but also I got very proud that you took a proper vacation. Yeah, like uh, I don't know. This year has been weird. I've been meaning. Like we've been meaning to take a like a, a long vacation, actually go somewhere and like I don't know, go to a nice beach and not do anything for a couple of weeks. And for a couple of reasons that I won't get into, we didn't manage to set like plan ahead and set a time and like actually finalize everything. So the only thing I knew I was going to take was that first week and take that off. Um, but uh, that we take the, the the following two weeks off was basically a very spontaneous decision, and therefore we didn't book anything, we didn't go anywhere, we just didn't work for like three weeks, which is also nice. <laughs> so you had a staycation, sort of, yeah. I mean, we we, we used uh, we used the time to visit some family, so we visited my parents for a couple of days, and we visited my sister and her family, and I met my new niece. Um, so we, we used the time for stuff like that and also like just like doing some hiking in the, in the neighborhood and went to a car race for good fun and stuff like that. Like no, no big trip anywhere, but like a little bit here and there. I feel like that's a good, good thing to do if you manage to switch off. Cause I think a lot of the reason people want to take those kind of go away vacation. Obviously you experience things in new places, but a lot of it is to not get sucked in by like, Oh, I should like, you know, fix something in my house or I could just open my laptop a little bit, like do some work or, you know, all of those things in your regular surrounding kind of pulling you in. But if you manage to set that aside and actually do vacationy things while at home or like taking little trips to family and stuff, it's still a good vacation like you still get that vacation feeling if you manage to do that yeah that's true i mean the only thing that i would have liked was like not do any of the housework like no yes cooking, no cleaning like that's the upside of like going someplace uh, else where they like where everything's covered for you more or less or you go just dine out every every day that would have been nice true. as well but uh, honestly in the end it was okay like it wasn't too bad <laughs> But also, I feel like we could, like thinking about having a mix of types of vacation because it just makes it more attainable too. Because you could stay home a week and like do really cool things and still spend a lot less money than if you went on like a lord larger trip where you need to pay for kind of housing and all of those things. So you could, yeah. in theory, just budget for like takeout the whole week if you want to like really get that vacation feeling because it's going to be cheaper than booking an airbnb yeah. anywhere uh, for sure for sure and and that, i mean that's what we did we 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 ordered more food than usual and we went to dine out more than usual so 
and uh yeah and then obviously visiting family which also kind of is like dining out i guess um, <laughs> i guess that depends on the on the family and how much work you're uh, expected to do as part of right <laughs> so yeah um overall it was a nice uh, nice time away from work and i actually managed to not do a lot of work i think i spend an hour every week um just like going through my email inbox and like cleaning things up and maybe replying to a thing here or there. It's not like it, it was super necessary in terms of something was on fire, but I just wanted to do it. So like the Monday, like yesterday when I got back to work wasn't as overwhelming as it would have been if I hadn't done this. Um, so you're saying so my email inbox was still manageable. Kept like working and chugging along without you? Yeah, it did for the most part. Um, just a little bit like small. I got some small pings for customer support here and there, but usually I think I never had to open my computer to to fix anything or like investigate a problem or something like that. So everything else was kind of smooth. And then um, it was only last week when things suddenly started to pick up and there was a lot more customer support. And but luckily that it was my last week, so Michael did a good job of like just like delaying things a little bit and slowing <laughs> things down a little bit. So when I got back to Shout work out yesterday, to we we, uh, we basically tried to resolve as many of those um, as possible, so nothing's stuck for too long. So, but yeah, overall I'm happy. Like everything, everything worked well and uh, there wasn't a big issue and nothing nothing broke i didn't have to do like emergency maintenance or stuff like that so that's all good i think that's cool though because that was one of the things that when we started or i joined this podcast that wasn't really possible for you and now it is possible for you to take a three weeks vacation yeah like having someone someone as good as michael on customer support definitely is a game changer in that regard um because he his product knowledge is is really good by now like he sometimes he understands the things better than both jane and me and i'm the one who built most of it so <laughs> he's just like he's got had a good mindset and um was able to pick up the small small nuances of how the product works pretty quickly so he can handle a lot of the hard cases as well. So the, the stuff that's left is usually just actual bugs or stuff that requires me to fiddle in the database and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's all good. Cool. It's also nice to see, and I, I have a feeling that it correlates with just that it's September. It's like, I feel like over over the summer, like June, July, August, things slowed down a little bit in terms of, New sign-ups, revenue growth, customer support was a little bit slower. And I feel like last week, things started to pick up again. It feels like everyone's back to work and um, trying out things, running into issues or whatever, like basically back to work. And um, that's nice to see and motivating that things will, things will keep moving faster again uh, because it felt a little bit slow over the last couple of months. Which is also a good thing, I guess. <laughs> I mean, there are some advantages to large part of the world taking a vacation at the same time. Like the expectance, like response rate, <laughs> expectancy, expectancy, and just like the general 
slowness makes it easier to take a vacation. So next year, maybe do your vacation in, you know, August, like (laughs) beginning of August, like everyone else or July. Um, Yeah, but the downside is like if you go somewhere, that is usually the most expensive time. So that is true. That is true. But but yeah, but it is like I I enjoy that summertime where everybody's kind of slowing down a little bit and just like enjoying the other parts of life more. Uh, and then now that we go into winter, not much to do outside. It's raining today. We can all get back <laughs> to work. But other things right. been happening at user list. Um. Yeah. So, um, what's been happening? Um. Leo has been continuing work on a message editor. And it's, I mean, I keep saying the same thing over and over again, but it's really coming together now. It's really looking good. Jane uh, did a round of design feedback and um, he's currently integrating most of that feedback or all of that feedback and like really polishing the design. And also like finally tackling some of the uh, things we knew about, but didn't want to spend too much time on in the early days. For example, um, we have support for like liquid tags to do like personalization and conditionals and stuff like that. And up until like Friday, I feel like um, it wasn't possible to properly copy paste those uh, from the message editor elsewhere and back because it would just lose like the, the curly braces and stuff like it around it. Um, so last week he spent some time actually figuring out how we do, how do we customize the copy paste behavior of the editor to copy sensible stuff when you cop like hit the command C uh, shortcut and it's small stuff like that that you tend to forget when just implementing these things, but people will run into those and it will be super annoying. <laughs> So we wanted to make sure that we that we get that stuff right, and now it's it's working nicely. And um, yeah, basically fixing small th- small things like this that are like quality of life or like, well, I don't know, things that make sure the user is not annoyed while using it. <laughs> so that's the th- stuff we're working on right now. But then the question At is: Should you ship? It. Should you ship it with those annoyances and then fix them very fast and be like, "Look at us fixing your <laughs> issues with the speed of light." Uh, yeah, because otherwise yeah. people won't even notice that it's there, right? Right, uh, and that's like uh, that's one of the big questions, or like almost existential questions. I kept asking myself during my vacation when thinking about work, like, where's the balance between? shipping quality stuff and shipping stuff fast and like showing showing that there's progress versus versus shipping like solid stuff and i i don't know if i've got an answer i i well i know that i don't have an answer that's for sure um because i feel like i think we are nearing like three months on this project and I know that what we will put out is super polished, but was it too long? Like, did it take too long? Did, should we have like cut some corners and, uh, as you said, like ship uh, uh, not as good product and then be super responsive and fixing everything? Um, and I'm not sure. Like, I don't, I don't know. Um, 
I see it working for big companies, but it also annoys me sometimes where it's like you, I mean, you yeah. could have had a Q&A process here. Like you, especially the big companies, it's like, how many people are you? Did nobody try to copy paste into this field? Um, and you're like, but then they make it into a marketing thing. And I'm like, hmm, maybe they're smart <laughs> because then you because yeah. then you get an email and you're like and then they're like now you can even copy paste into this field and you're like yeah i shouldn't but then you're like you get that yeah that message that like we've improved you know look at us improving and improving yeah um, and listening to your feedback and, and yeah <laughs> exactly and yeah. i i think that's hard too because i can see myself getting annoyed sometimes as a user but i can also see that it's working because the companies that I keep getting updates from, I feel, you know, updates that are actual updates, um, you know, they are more on top of mind. And I do feel like I have a closer relationship to them, even though they should have, you know, made it better in the first place. Um, so it kind of works. Yeah. So I find, but I've seen one, I guess that was, I think that was Brian Cassell who did where in his newsletter, instead of, kind of having that like what's new he kind of just like highlighted features so he got that mm -hmm. same in his newsletter he got that same feeling of like look at this feature and look at that feature that felt like progress but just the heading was highlighted feature instead of new feature and it took me a while mm -hmm. to actually notice that subtle difference but it gave me as the consumer that same kind of feeling of oh there's updates and look i've learned something new about the product and Yes, I think you should be proud That's... of doing it correctly, but remember to then do, you know, those highlighted feature things where it's like you can copy paste and you can so that people actually understand that this feature can do all these things and it didn't just happen, like actually showcase yeah. them as features. Yeah, I guess. That's a really good insight. And I, I still feel like we're doing a bad job at like just promoting what's already there. Like it's easy to promote the new stuff because, I mean, that's the traditional cycle. Uh, you you build stuff and then it's done and then you ship it and then you you announce it and celebrate it. But then it, that's it. Like usually the the work ends after that, and then a, a month from then or a half a year from then, you're not talking about that feature anymore. And it might still be news to some people, exactly as you said. Like they're just highlighting those features some of those features will be news to some of your customers because they haven't just never seen it or never used it. And I really like that idea of just including it in the newsletter and having that highlighted features thing. I'm going to suggest that to the team, I guess. Yes. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, so that's that's the work we did on the, on the message editor on the front end. Um, before my vacation, so it's already a couple of weeks weeks ago. Um, I did a lot of more work on um, on the backend side of things. So I, I mentioned that I was um, rewriting the rendering engine to new to use the new um, document schema we came up with uh, instead of Markdown, um, and that was done before my vacation. And then the the, the last couple of days before I left, I actually spent some time. Uh, trying to do validation on the new implementation. Um, and I ended up um, just like connecting to the production database, uh, reading all the like all the broadcasts, all the campaign messages, um, like the raw 
the raw HTML or the raw Markdown, rendering that to HTML, then using the new converter we wrote um, to convert the Markdown into the new document schema, and then rendering the document schema to HTML. And as I mentioned, like it's hard to compare those two because they are not necessarily exactly the same HTML. Um, so on top of that, I used uh, basically Chrome um, and um, I don't know, the, the tool I'm using is a Ruby tool called Ferrum, um, which is basically hooking into Chrome and allowing you to save screenshots of an HTML page. Um, so I ran both rendered HTML results through that and then compared the screenshots um, using image magic. And if there wasn't an, a difference, I'd count them as a success. And if there was a difference, I'd count them as a mismatch. And um, that, like initially, I, I think like about 40% of the emails had like mismatches, but I was able to get it down to like 4%. And now it's only, like there's only one big thing that's causing issues and that's uh, basically Markdown's auto-linking feature. So um, at least well, it's not a Markdown feature per se, but our Markdown renderer has a feature where it auto-links. So if you paste... Uh, HTTP uh, colon slash slash google.com, it will be clickable in the rendered email. And it sounds easy, but um, previously we had a pipeline, a rendering pipeline that would do take the markdown from the database, run liquid on it first. So um, everything in terms of placeholders would be replaced. And then we took that and rendered it to HTML. Um, and as a result, like if you had a, a link with some liquid in there, for example, to set a user ID or the email address, Markdown wouldn't know about that because by the time it was using Markdown or the Markdown running process uh, took over, it would already be a valid link because it already did the substitutions. The problem is with the new rendering pipeline, because we're not operating on text anymore, but like this tree structure in JSON, we had to flip things around. So we have to do HTML rendering before we do liquid rendering. And as a result, we have invalid links because double curly braces <clears throat> in URLs aren't valid URLs anymore. And therefore everything, like at least the, the naive auto-linking implementation that I started with, just doesn't work. <laughs> so those 4% of cases are mostly um, related to that, and I'm hoping to solve this this week. <clears throat> and the other handful of problems turned out to be actual rendering problems with our old renderer. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Nothing um, like a migration to smoke out <laughs> the old errors. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, um, apparently the current... Markdown renderer we're using has some problems with basically combining um, bold and italic Markdown syntax. So if you if you go crazy and do like a lot of things on and off in one sentence, it will lose track and then at some point just like have underscores and asterisks and whatever in your rendered output. And that's obviously not the thing you want. Um, so I guess we're going to fix that by migrating to the new version. Uh, but it's interesting because I, I hadn't realized this until we now ran a mass test comparing two, <laughs> two rendered results. So yeah, now that's... We, now you can test. 
now you have it set up. So whenever you do any changes to your renderer, you can now make sure that things are still working. Yeah, exactly. And um, it was also interesting just, um, I mean, we didn't include any user data, so I don't feel as bad as like looking at all of our customers' emails or like, well, not in detail, but like um, just making sure they render correctly. And what was interesting was that I noticed some patterns and um, we're actually thinking now to uh, basically pull a large sample of like emails that people write and just like analyzing what what are some industry or well industry patterns at least what are some patterns across our user base of like what's what type of emails do they write and how can we maybe improve the product to make that part easier or if we can't come up with ideas maybe even write about what are some good bad, best practices and stuff like that and uh, <clears throat> yeah that was an interesting insight that just happened by looking at a lot of rendered emails <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yeah that's that's what's been going on on my side um obviously a lot of not working for the last couple of weeks but uh excited to to be back at to be back at it and uh getting some work done this week what about yeah. you? What what happened Probably, while I was away? I mean, I should have done a million things, shouldn't I? But it feels like I've done nothing. Um, <laughs> I'm sure you did a million things and <laughs> forgot half of it. <laughs> yes, and and that's why these weekly catch ups are so good because I have to like write down some notes every week before we record, so I know kind of what to talk about. Uh, and I think that actually really helps. And I've noticed that before too that I can like go into recording feeling a little like. Uh, you know, like who's like, what am I doing? And like, I'm not, you know, I, I haven't done anything that kind of like energy. And then after the talk, I'm like, Oh, look at me getting things done. But, um, I do feel, and I remember you talking about this a couple of episodes back about where I feel like there's so much things that are up in the air and nothing. And I'm doing the work I'm supposed to do on them, but they're not like completed and they won't be completed for a while. And I think that also like makes me or lures me into doing things that I think I can complete in a way like, mm -hmm. oh, you know, I'll just like redesign the front page of my website a little bit because that's useful. But then like, I feel like I can complete it, but of course I didn't. So that's also up in the air. So I need to just keep on like focusing and doing my, like doing the work I'm supposed to do and like sticking, staying to the strategy and like all of those things. Um, but that's why I'm feeling a little unfocused, I guess, as well. But so what have I been doing? So let's start talking about what I've been doing and I can feel mm -hmm. good afterwards. Um, no, so Lillian has had her first day of school because I don't think we covered that because it's been, uh, been four weeks. So she's back in school, which is pretty cool and she's really enjoying it. So we're all very happy about that. Um, but on the work side, I've been working on the outline for my Gatsby, upcoming Gatsby talk. So I'm doing that Gatsby talk at uh, JamstackConf, like we talked about, and then at the Modern Frontend Live in London. And together with the talk, I am working on the workshop that will be given at Modern Frontends in London as well. And then I'm also talking about a new line of creating a video course or like an online course on the same topic. And I actually find that working on all three of these together is, is very motivating and helpful because the talk isn't kind of standalone. So even though 
they're not going to be completely the same. They're covering the same topics. And I, I am managing to structure all three things kind of over the same list, we say in the region, over the same. <laughs> it's kind of the same outline. It will just be with like more or less detail. And it's helping me to mm. keep focused because I'm like, well, maybe I should just talk about the data layer. Maybe I should. But like, you know, it's pulling me back in. And it's like the talk is going to be about Gatsby plugin. Uh, and I feel like the message is like, go out and build your own plugin both because it's you know fun, you learn a lot of things, and because it's useful. Um, and then for the talk, it's going to be more motivating and like showing you what is possible. And then in the workshop, we'll probably make like all the examples that I'm giving in the talk. So it's kind of like really working to work on all of these uh, together, even though I thought maybe it would be different, but it feels like in some way I'm getting more focused, even though I'm also unfocused. I don't know. But my question to you, though, <laughs> I have a question that I need help on. Um, and that is because I'm doing this workshop on how to create your own Gatsby plugins with that one conference. But at the Jamstack Conf, it's only sponsored workshops. But I heard this tip before that you can arrange your own workshop in the city that the conference is in. So either the day before or after I could like arrange my own workshop and have people just sign up for my workshop uh, that have been at jams.conf. So I'm like thinking if that is something I should try to arrange and like how much. Would you charge people for that? Yes, I would. That that would be the point. <laughs> so the one okay, I'm doing okay. in, so the one I'm doing, so all of Jamstack's conference, all of Jams, Jamstack Conf's workshops are free of charge and they're kind of, at least what I can see, it looks like the sponsors are giving workshops. But for the right. uh, the modern front end in London, I'm doing a workshop and it's a paid workshop. And then it's like a revenue share between the conference and me as a workshop holder. So that is why since I still, I will have to make that workshop and do it in London the week after. So it should be done. So I'm thinking, is it then worth it to try to set something up in San Francisco but it's also a town I have no, like, I, like where would I have it? Like, who even lives there? Like, it's quite far away from my original location. But I don't think that should play into it. Um, yeah. What's your gut feeling? Yeah. My gut feeling is I think it's a lot of work to just, like, just the logistics of it. Like, you need a place. They need to have enough room, like tables, outlets, internet, probably food if it's like a longer workshop, like drinks, all of that. Like you have to organize everything. But don't you um, think hotels organize that? Like you can get that. Like, yeah, like sure. But yeah, I mean, I organized conferences in the past and <laughs> it's not cheap. <laughs> <laughs> like I, Yeah, I, so maybe it would like it wouldn't be worth it in terms of of the price of the workshop like i wouldn't have enough people to cover the cost of the room and the and the food and the everything yeah yeah i mean depends on how much you're going to charge but um i think like the last time i organized something i think the cost was like for just one day or just well one day uh basically yeah one day with uh lunch snacks was like 50 euros per person mm. um and we had like how and then many? it's the room on 30 top of that. uh the room usually like well, the room is usually for free <laughs> more or less <laughs> okay compared to compared to everything else yeah so, 
and I mean that's the price for a workshop. Um, no, I'm also thinking though, because there are some companies that I think have office space in San Francisco, and I could do like a like a yeah, mini- like that was the other thing I was wondering. Like maybe you can shortcut it a little bit by finding someone to host you. Maybe Gatsby um, could host me. Ooh, I think they have an office in Berkeley. <laughs> might be worth a try. Um, the question then is, can you still charge for it? Because then it becomes like a weird dynamic like of them yeah. providing you the, with the space and you still charging for it. And then it looks like it's uh, their workshop that you're, I don't know. It's, hmm. I don't know. You have to try, I guess. <laughs> Maybe ask around a little bit and see if something good pops up. But regardless, I think my biggest concern would be like, let's say you figure out the the, the room and the the lunch and everything. My biggest concern would be, can you reach enough people and get enough signups for that workshop to make it worth it? Mm. Um, because once you once you've booked something, you kind of have to sell it out to make it work. <laughs> yeah, I think I would need some like pre signups before I booked the room. The thing is, I don't know if it would have been worth it if I wasn't making the workshop anyway. Because now I promised this workshop to Modern Front End Lives, and I mean they might not sell any seats to my workshop, and then it would be canceled. But I'm gonna try to market it as well so that actually people want to pay for that and. Um, but what is my thinking? Yeah. And then like a lot of that will go into the course, making hopefully the course better. Cause I think if I teach this live a couple of times, then that will inform kind of what I do when I do the videos, because it's easier to kind of, you know, think or change things or answer question when it's live. And I think that will make the video version better because then I've, actually tested it out on real people so like i you know i want to make money on it but it doesn't have to be like a big money maker because like that will feed into something that will hopefully then be more evergreen and hopefully make me (laughs) more money um down the road but yeah i'm gonna give it a i'm gonna give it a think i do know some people in san francisco so i could like ask and i think i know somebody who's done this um, but they might have a bigger following than me, so it's easier for them to like sell out a workshop next to a conference. Um, yeah, I mean, th- I think the problem is, I like like selling like if the conference sh- sells the workshops, they have like they can address the entire like attendees and 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 make it part of their pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, and for you to do this, you, I mean. You, you're narrowing down your addressable market quite a bit because it's the overlap of people going to that particular conference and also following you on your mailing list or on Twitter or whatever. I'm not sure that, I mean, no offense, but I'm not sure. There are not that many people. people. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, exactly. No, that's what I'm working towards though. Cause I do want to, you know, be able to, to set, well, maybe after done all these, these conferences, maybe next year I have a big enough, but it's going up. I'm very close to 3000 people now on Twitter, but they are not all that's in San nice. Francisco. Um, all my vanity. That's, like, that's the other way up. to getting more. That's the other way to getting more allowed more followers, right? Or to um, allowed more allow well, 
allowed to follow more, more people allowed to follow more people by getting more followers yourself right <laughs> that is true that is true but i still i think I think I need a quite a lot more before I'm allowed to follow more than 5,000 people. But at least that's the outline and the workshop. And I'm really feeling good about how it's coming together. And I am feeling good of, of taking it ooh, slow and steady. Um, instead of, you know, trying to like get this talk out, like, you know, sell it or like sell the workshop and then make the workshop. Like I'm feeling like the, the little pieces are starting to fit together really well um, and that it can become like a really good talk workshop course combo that kind of, you know, teaches people some really valuable skills when it comes to Gatsby. Because if you make these plugins, then you just get such a, such so much better understanding of the framework and that will help you even if you decide not to make plugins and just use Gatsby, you can still use all of this knowledge to kind of um, uplift your your usage of the of the framework, I guess. But so, and in addition to that, like I'm trying to find the right mix of our Gatsby products and services. So we have done the Gatsby plugin maintenance, which is kind of the idea that we really wanted to sell, but they're not like quick sells. We have to find the plugins and we have, or we have to find the, the companies that are willing to pay for this. Hopefully that will go up when, Gatsby is now working on version five. Um, and it seems like the tide is shifting a little bit where people aren't just like, oh, we'll we'll just skip Gatsby. Like, you know, because they're like Gatsby, and then I was like, next, and now it's a remix, and and now kind of it seems like people are <laughs> spreading out and like realizing there are, you know, um use cases for all of these frameworks. So if more people are using it, then more people will need to maintain their plugins, but We'll see how long that takes. Anyway, and then I'll also done a Gatsby code review, which was so much fun. So I would love to do more of those where somebody had some issues with their site that their developers couldn't work out. And I've gone through all their code and done, and I'm doing that this week. I'm going to do a video call where I just go through all of my recommendations on what they should be focusing on and also what kind of are things that should be fixed at some point in the future so that when new versions come out and those kinds of things, they are not like stuck with um, just wrong usage. Like it's working, but it's just wrong usage and it will be a problem when things are updated or fixed and stuff like that. Mm. So that was a lot of fun. And then I'm also, I do have some talks that I've done. So I've done the, um, the privacy and encryption and web application talk quite or a couple of times. And I think it's a really good one. So I would like to just, sell that as something I can do for people's internal like brown bag lunches and whatever it's called like you know when they instead of <laughs> yeah you eat you eat your packed lunch and you watch some kind of internal talk like I would love to do more of those because I find it I really enjoy it and I have some and then I have that talk done and when I have the plugin talk done like those could be good ones to sell for like internal usage I'm trying to like find a good mix and like how to sell these things but um but yeah, I'm open to to feedback. And then my little projects. So prune your follows that you were kind of uh, alluding to earlier because I couldn't follow any more people on, on Twitter. I created a little tool for the Superbase Hackathon. Did not win the Hackathon, but um, there is 57 users of this app already uh, after like two tweets. So that's kind of cool. Um, but running into some really hard uh, limitations from Twitter because I used the whole reason for Superbase was that they have Twitter logins. So I thought I was going to just like, you know, it's going to be 
easy to just like sign mm-hmm. and it is easy to implement and you can log in with Twitter, but I don't get access to your access key. So I can't do anything on behalf of you when you're logged in, which was kind of the point. Um, and it seemed, and it, it turns out that they have plans, but you know, it's like, it's an issue that's like a year old and it seems like nobody's really yeah. looking into that. But then I remember like an, thing i thought about like a long time ago and that is a package for next that's called next auth that kind of gives you all kinds of the authentication flow for you but you own the data and you and for twitter and facebook and google and stuff like that all of these oauth authentication you don't even need a database because you can just like as long as you stay in a session then the person is logged in and then you can connect to a database if you want to and I knew that Next, even though it's called Next Auth, can also be used with Gatsby. So I tried that out and it worked really well. So I've already refactored it so that you, the um, printer follows use Next Auth. So now I, now I just need to use the people's personal access tokens instead of my app token. And we then use that as a topic for the uh, Rumfield Adventures around the Gatsby Islands that we do every Thursday. Um, but it's also on the like not to do list, so it's only as like it's a get, like a prize to myself when I do the things that I don't <laughs> want to do. <laughs> uh, but what I really like about this product, though, or product is that um, when I've got the refactor done and like a couple of features. It's one of those products or projects that can actually just be done. Like it doesn't need to do anything more. There are lots of like nice to haves. But like it doesn't need new features as long as you can sort people and unfollow them. Like that's all it has or that it needs. So I need to find more little app IDs like that. Cause I thrive, I realize I can't stop. Like I thrive on this. Like I love just coming up with little things and like making it. And like that is my hobby and my fun. And I need to be better at like making versions that are like that, where it's like a couple of features and it's done. And I can just like have it there as like a fun project that's like marketing for me as a Gatsby person more than it's having to become a product on its own which kind of happened to POW which is my last day to <laughs> you know nothing happened there it kind of grew big and now it's small again and I'm still hiding from it but I keep having 50 subscribers they won't go away <laughs> <They're getting laughs> <big>. <laughs> didn't you just like Here's a here's a curveball question. Um, a couple of episodes ago, you mentioned that there's no way to reset your password. Yes. Um, what about like how? What do you need to do to cancel your subscription? Do you need to log in to cancel your subscription? Yes, you do. <laughs> so maybe but, maybe but... they all try to cancel, but they can't because they forgot their password. The support email is right underneath there. So I do get some of those where they kind of want to cancel their, um, okay, you enough. know, they want to just cancel. So I don't think that's, I don't think that's the only, I think some people yeah, are actually no. using the product, which like yeah. freaks yeah, yeah, me yeah. out I, a little I, bit. It was mostly a joke. Like I didn't want to. But it's a serious, no, it's not, it's not even a joke, right? Because that is. That is the support request, I guess. Like, either I can't log in or I can't log in and cancel. It's like either, like either <laughs> they want to log in to do something or they want to log in to cancel. And those are the two support requests I get. So, um, but yeah, no. So I need to like, I I think what I need is that like POW to become something like Pruner Follows where I focus on a feature set and that's like, that's what it does. And it's not going to be like 
the biggest, bestest uh, menstrual tracker out there. Um, because then I can have these like little projects over a long time, but like have them as little contained side things instead of my livelihood. And I think that's better for me. Give me yeah, another three months reasonable. and I've redecided. <laughs> Suddenly Prunier follows. It's like thousands of users and just like, no, I just <laughs> yeah, I mean, who knows? I mean, it might very well happen. It's just like, it will be hard to monetize that one, I guess. I could sell credits. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but like, will people pay for that? It I feels like no it's not idea. like a hair on fire problem product. <laughs> I mean, it has been for me. I would have paid five <laughs> bucks to like unfollow some people. Um, no, I don't think I'm gonna. I, I'm gonna look at that more as. So, what's good, especially with Printer Follows, is like it really works as content for these other things that I'm doing. Um, yeah, and it's something that a lot of developers think is a fun product, so it kind of really works in that regards. Um, and as I said, it's 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 uh, contained. And I even thought about like in a way selling it as like a devrel project to a comp like to a database company so if because now i need to find a database because i'm not going to use superbase when i don't need their authentication i just need a straight up database and there are some companies that would like to showcase how to use their database with like react and slash gatsby so i thought also it could just be like you know made by queen ray sponsored by whatever database wants to have some content i don't know but then I'm getting sponsored, which is like, hmm, what's my on my no list? <laughs> Do you need the database? No, that's the other thing. I could do everything from the browser. The only thing is I don't know how it would be to sort and sort or sort through these five thousand people in the browser. But it's probably not too like it should probably work because I need to save them to local or session storage or something because I can't keep even if I have people's access to tokens I can't keep hitting the Twitter API they they're pretty they have pretty low limits right. um, but there is a case for just using next auth and only have that in the session and then saving everything in the session storage and then if they log out then delete whatever but if not like when the session is deleted their data is deleted. The only thing is then every time you go to the app, you'll have to sit and like wait until I've like fetched 5,000 people from Twitter for you. Because can you just use, isn't there, I'm not sure if it's that thing I'm talking, uh, thinking about, but isn't there IndexedDB in every browser these days? I um, did see something like that. I, I, the way, I mean, I've never used it because I haven't had a use case, but. Uh, it sounds like it's basically a SQL, a mini SQL database in your browser that you can access from, from JavaScript and it's bound to the domain. So, I mean, as long as people don't switch browsers and clear cache or whatever, you can just carry on storing their data locally and um, just. But what cache if it they're there. using the public library's computer? Do we want all that data in there? Then I need to remember because they might not log out. They might you know but they yeah but like do you all like if they don't but it's all public out, yeah but it's all public data also 
actually. Yeah, it's also yeah. yeah public data as long as you yeah. don't store the access key in there should yeah. be fine, I guess. Yeah, uh, so I have I've gone down that route as well, but then, then it would even though like that's my jam with privacy and everything, I wouldn't even know who's using the using the app. Like how many people <laughs> are there using the app? I would only see the page views. Which is, I guess. yeah, but uh, what might be good enough, which might be good enough, right? Yeah. Or maybe do you see stuff like, do you see like stuff like authenticated users for your Twitter application? I mean, they're surely tracking that. Just the question is, are you able to see that? Like analytics oh, for yeah. like how many, like people, how are many people are using my, like oh, that would be interesting. Yeah, that could be interesting. Hmm. Yeah, but that's a way to go I've... too. But and I think that could be because that's the thing that I find a little hard now with like Devrel being so big that it is. It's that all of the free goodness of the internet doesn't have a Devrel, and and like I can't take it on myself to like be the Devrel for every free thing because they don't pay, right? Um, but on the other hand, that like it that does make me more excited. Like, you know, the, like a lot of the encryption stuff is in the browser already, you know, and you can save things in the browser. You, as you said, you might not even need a database and you can, and with next Auth, which is an open source project, or you can make it yourself, but you can like log in through Twitter without using auth zero or Superbase Twitter or any of these things. It's just that these, these services that those are the people making all the high quality uh, courses and or tutorials or at least everything that is free um, and now that if I make this one course with New Line for them who are selling courses like they could be interested in in me then making like a you know how to make this app kind of course where everything is done in the browser and like they will people will learn more about the core of the internet instead of all these services that are just yeah. like throwing money at their like DevRel efforts um, so yeah, there's a maybe that's a path. Maybe like I'll be the devrel for the open internet, <laughs> which is actually a good like that's an, a good cause, I guess. <laughs> we need more of those. <laughs> but 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 yeah, we all also. But it doesn't pay. <laughs> no. <laughs> that's why I need my Gatsby. Um, you know, uh, products and services to sell because a lot of these things that we are talking about are really good things to do as like market or like could fit into a marketing strategy for that. But there needs to be these products at the end of the line that sell enough um, to to keep me in business. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But then over to the existential questions, like. Like why the internet shouldn't we like should we just like <laughs> move back into the forest and just like skip the whole <laughs> <laughs> moving like bites around and money around and blah blah blah. I don't know. I had yeah. a little I had a little bit of that the last couple of weeks as well. And when we weren't recording, it was like why record? Like nobody would listen. Like, why are we doing this? I was a little <laughs> bit in um in that kind of a mindset, but but just gotta get up and do the work. Yep, exactly. Well, then let's actually wrap up and get back to work then, right? Yes. And see everyone around the interwebs. Yep. See you. Bye. Bye.